So we're going to jump into a new series. How many guys are excited about going on a journey with John? Um, I want to really this morning, I'm just going to give an overview and introduction to the book. We're only going to cover a few verses, but we are going to spend the bulk of this year. I'm not sure exactly how long, but a long time. There's so much meat in this book. It is so, so good. It is completely different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke for specific reasons, and I want to break some of that down. So pray with me right now that God would give us ears to hear and guts to actually live it. How many of you guys know hearing something and actually doing something are two different things? I hear a lot of things, but actually putting them into practice is where I struggle. This year, I don't want to struggle. I actually want to do it. Every one of us wants to change, right? All of us. So if, if you weren't here, by the way, last week, there are some growth goal sheets out in the foyer. You could pick up on your way out. There's some cards that say Dream Sunday. So we start the first of the year. Cards, you write down your goals and dreams, put them on your fridge, pray for them. Then we gave you a sheet. And it basically on one side, they're smart goals. And on the other side, it just talks about areas of growth. How many guys know at New Life, we like to talk about everything? Like, really? Why do I say that? There are website connections for you on this paper. Whatever area you want to grow in are all areas. Ask Holy Spirit to lead you and he'll point you in the right direction. But spiritually, emotionally, sexually. Did he say that out loud right now? Mental, physical, relational, financial. Listen, I was talking with Jason and he, he's, he brought up a great point in between services. He says, hey. I think you really need to emphasize why we talk about emotional and mental and other when it comes to spiritual growth. If you will deal with those areas of your life, you will grow closer to Jesus. Do you guys know that some of our emotional baggage or mental baggage is what keeps us from getting close to Jesus? Now, some of us didn't know that because the church still doesn't talk a lot about that. Jesus talks about all of these in the Bible and the Bible is filled with every one of these areas and he wants us to be healthy in all of them. Amen. So we will have discipleship and classes. If you have not signed up for identity, it's coming in a week plus, right? The 16th or something. Sign up. Really? Like we can't make you grow. You guys heard some of my story this last year. Didn't want to go back to counseling, right? Went early last year. Okay, that was great. And then the Lord starts pressing me. Has God ever pressed on your heart a little? Push your buttons a little? Do you know he does it on purpose? He can't make you do things, but Holy Spirit will press on you to work on stuff. But he still will give you and I the choice. Either we can do it or not do it. This year, let's do it. Mm. Everyone's all, I don't want to. <laughs> you guys, really? Like, let's do it. Let's walk in council. Let's go to classes. Let's do the stuff. There's going to be lots of classes here. There's also areas. How many guys ever struggle with spiritual warfare? 
Come on, where the enemy's just like bombarding you and your thoughts and there's issues. Do you know there's numerous different ministries and ways and means here and outside of this church to help you battle the demonic reality and give you tools on how to fight warfare? It's critically important, amen? So let's do it, amen? Well, let's pray. Papa, we love you. And as we go on a journey with John through the fourth gospel, would you help us to see your son Jesus like we've never seen him before? Would we be able to take what we learned this year and put it into practice? God, would we become people that learn how to love so well that the world around us is shocked? Lord, John is the apostle of love. And there's something unique about him. I pray you would help us to learn from him. Because God, all of us can learn how to love better. So this year, teach us and help us. Lord, we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to just go through a few real basic things and then dive into a little bit of the scripture this morning. So the author and the date, the author is John the Apostle with his brother James um, he is Jesus' cousin. I don't know if you guys know this. Jesus is probably related to a minimum of five of the apostles, maybe even more. If you grew up 2,000 years ago in little regions, you probably were related to a lot of people. That's just how it was generationally. So John wrote this book, most scholars believe, between 90 and 100 John was the last living apostle. He outlived the other apostles a long time. Do you guys know that? So he also wrote the book of Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, history tells us that they tried to kill John because he was preaching the gospel, so they tried to boil him in oil and kill him. When God's got a plan for you, nobody's going to kill you. Really. And John writes this book from Ephesus, so Ephesus, for, for all of you Bible scholar people, you'll remember the, the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the most important cities in Asia Minor. It's one of the seven churches that uh, is talked about by John in the book of Revelation. Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world, mostly because the temple of Diana or Artemis was there. So it would be like Los Angeles. So if you were to take a picture of Ephesus 2,000 years ago with all the craziness that goes on and a picture of Los Angeles and you put them together, they're pretty darn close, right? It is a crazy, wild place. Filled with Greek culture and understanding, John is writing the gospel from Ephesus and he's trying to reach a Jewish audience, and a Gentile audience. And so he's walking through this because now we're talking literally decades after Jesus' death and resurrection. And many people had the same question that they have today about Jesus. Who is he really? Who is he really? Oh, he's a prophet. He's a teacher. Oh, he's the son of God. So there's all these different thoughts going on. And, and in all the churches in Asia Minor, uh, 
the, the confusion continued and God raises up John to bring clarity to say, let me clarify a few things for you and we're going to dive into them. Uh, the purpose of the book, John, if, when we get near the end of the book, you're going to see he makes it perfectly clear for one of the main reasons he wrote this. It's going to be on the screen. John 20, 31. But these are written, and it means all the things that he wrote before. These are written that you may believe. Everybody say believe. believe. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Therefore, the purpose of John's gospel, you guys, is to confirm and secure to Christians and anyone that calls on him who he is and who you are in him. Amen. So the theology, you guys, is interesting because Matthew, Mark and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. So you guys maybe have heard that term synoptic. Everybody say synoptic. That means same as. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very much the same. John's gospel is very much different. And there's deep reasons why it's different. And we're going to be diving into that in this entire series. So John really wants to make sure the number one thing he wants to clarify in his gospel is that Jesus is God. Everybody say Jesus is God. Jesus was not another God. He wasn't one of the mythological gods. He wasn't a half man, half God. He was completely God. And then he came to earth to be completely man. And he was literally God in the flesh. John tries to clarify that. And so the very first sentence of his book, John says these words. In the beginning. Everybody say in the beginning. Does that, does that make a familiar ring to another passage in anybody's mind? Where at? Genesis 1. Why on earth would he say that? Do you guys know to every Jewish person that would have read the first sentence, as soon as they would have read in the beginning, John just got their attention. How many of you guys know that? It, it would have rung true to a Jewish mind that it took them right back to Genesis 1 to the Torah. But then he says, in the beginning was the word. Everybody say the word. word. Say Logos. Logos. So he says, in the beginning was the word. So why did he say in the beginning, Jewish mindset? And then he said the word. Well, I want you guys to help understand what happened. The Greek culture would have known the word Logos. It would have meant something to them. They would have understood that. So 500 years before John wrote this, there was a, a man named Heraclitus, and he wrote about this word logos. And he used the word in reference to a fixed principle, a world of change. It was his expression of God. Now, a few hundred years later, the Stoics later adapted the word logos. Now, listen to what they described logos. Logos was the power that controlled and ordered the world. So this is a few hundred years before John wrote. They happen to take this one word, logos, the word, and they meant it to be the power that controlled and ordered the world. How many of you think God was using Stoics to prophesy about a coming Messiah? Like their definition of the word is amazing. They just didn't know who it was. 
So John clarifies by writing, in the beginning, God. So listen, the Gospels, you guys, why, why are there four? Like, why did God have four Gospels? Why didn't these guys get together and just write a book and give their information? God uses the pattern in Scripture to help give us different insight to the principles and understanding and the different audiences that need to hear it. So Genesis 1 and 2, if you guys study Genesis 1 and 2, you're going to find that chapter 1 and 2, one is from God's perspective, one is from man's perspective. Kings and Chronicles, they're covering the same period of time. How many guys have read Kings and Chronicles? And they're talking about the same people, but it's completely different. And you're like, what on earth? Because God is trying to give different perspective to different people. So when we get to the Gospels, God is trying to help people to understand a different perspective. You guys, the Gospels are not straight biographies. How many of you guys know in biographies, you, you start to see things. If somebody was famous and they died... The first thing the writer usually does is tells you what the person did, right? The second thing is they usually tell what the person said. But the third thing they'll do is tell you who the person was. What's interesting in the Gospels, one third of every Gospel is about the death of Jesus. I challenge you to find any biography on any person in history that gives one-third of its pages to the death of somebody. It doesn't happen. Did you guys hear what I just said? Critically important as you study the Gospels, why on earth would you write about somebody's life and one-third of your book is about their death? Maybe because Jesus' death was the most important death in the history of the world. Maybe because Jesus' death was going to lead to an after-death experience. How many of you guys know there was already people raised from the dead in the Old Testament and New Testament before this happened? Come on. How many of you guys have ever heard people, stories, somebody says, I, I had an afterlife experience. I died and I saw this or I did that or it was a bright light or I saw animals or I don't even know. I've heard some crazy stuff out there. Here's what's wild. None of those people that had, whether they real or not, they're not still alive. I'm not saying God didn't raise or other people didn't get raised from the dead because that has happened. But how many guys know they died later? When Jesus rose from the dead, he never died again. The Bible said he was the first of the resurrection. Why on earth would you spend one third of your time writing about that almost seems like mundane. It's like, bro, you're talking about this guy's death a lot. Oh, hang on, bro. I'm talking about his death a lot because his death paid for something that you don't understand yet. So I need to help you understand what it's paying for. But he didn't stay dead. I said he didn't stay dead. The Bible says he was the first of the resurrection. And that means if you and I will follow who he is, we get to become second resurrected. Right. That's what the whole gospel is about. So John is defining this and he's going through it. But John wants to really help differentiate between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So look at your screen. How are the Gospels so different? I just told you about the persons, but look at Mark. Mark is most concerned with what Jesus did. 
And he focused on his actions, miracles, death, and resurrection. Matthew and Luke included far more of what Jesus said, and they recorded much of his preaching. But John's supreme concern is with Jesus' identity. Everybody say identity. And who he was. So Mark wrote the first gospel, seeing Jesus as the Son of Man. Luke wrote the second gospel and saw Jesus as the Savior of the world. Matthew wrote the third gospel, depicting Jesus as the King of the Jews. But John wrote the fourth gospel with Jesus as the Son of God. So what are the differences between Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the book of John? So here are some things that are different about John's gospel. What is not in John's gospel? I don't know if you've ever noticed, but it's amazing how many things are not in his gospel that are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? The conception and birth of Jesus, not in John. His baptism, temptations, the casting out of demons, the transfiguration, the Last Supper, Jesus' struggle in prayer in Gethsemane, and the ascension. None of those are in the book of John. But what is in the book of John? The water into wine at the wedding in Cana. How many of you guys think John likes wine? Come on, he threw that story in. He's like, hey, Jesus made the best wine ever. Right? So what else is in John that's not in the others? The man at the pool of Bethsaida. The healing of the nobleman's son. The healing of the man blind from birth. And the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And then there's a unique thing that happens in the book of John that is not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And it's the I am sayings. Everybody say I am. am. When's the first time you remember seeing I am in your Bible? Yep. Moses. Exodus 3, just to help cheat, okay? Come on. This year, would you guys read your Bible for real? I know we do this every year. Start a plan, read your Bible. You could read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And if you'll do it, it'll only take you 20 minutes a day. So there's different programs. I'm using one. I get the audio Bible, right? And I play it and I read along as I do. And literally, it only takes 20 minutes. And that means I will hit the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. Those are in the resources we gave out last week. They're available. Do it. Here's what's crazy. Christians, the Bible's boring. This is what I used to tell our youth group when they tell me, the Bible's boring. And I just smile and go, you're boring. (laughs) I go, you need to read the Bible. I go, come on, you guys, if you put yourself into the Bible, I promise it is not boring. It's the craziest book ever. Everybody say, I am. I am. am, There's seven I am sayings. Why does God? Why does John, no other gospel writers do it. Why does John do it seven different times? Because every single Jewish person, when they heard the word I am, they knew it was talking about who? Everybody say God. Jesus is saying I am. In other words, I am God. So in Genesis chapter three, come on. Moses is on the backside of the desert for like 40 years. And he's taking a walk and there's a bush on fire. Come on, how many guys, if you were doing your little walk in the Claremont Loop and a bush was on fire, you'd be like, all right. But then you came back an hour later and the bush is still on fire, but it ain't burning up. 
And then as you're walking by, the bush starts talking to you. Come on. That's crazy. The Bible's boring. I'm like, are you joking? Moses has a conversation with a bush. Here's the crazy part. Hey, Moses, you've been running and hiding. Yeah, you committed murder. But guess what? I love you. I forgive you. But I've called you to do something. So you got to get past your sin. And you need to go back and set my people free. I hope some of you are hearing me because Jesus wants you to help get people free. But you're hung up on your sin. You need to have a conversation with a burning bush. He's the I am. It's the father and the son. And, and, and literally Moses is freaking out. I don't want to go back. He goes, I need you to go back. So you know what I love about it? He made up his mind he would do it. He's like, okay. Do you guys realize that was probably a death sentence? In the real world, if Moses goes back to Egypt, they know who he is. They're going to kill him. You guys realize that? He said, I'll do it anyway, because he knew God was talking. <laughs> and then he throws this one as he's talking to a bush that's on fire. Um, when I stand before Pharaoh, like, who do I say sent me? Come on, you guys, think about it. It's like, you dare come here? I would love to have been standing there when Pharaoh looks at Moses coming. Who sent you here? I believe the power of the Spirit shook that guy when he goes, I am that I am. I think the Spirit of God did something in Pharaoh because he didn't kill him. And Moses ultimately sets people free. Do you guys know that God wants to use you and I to set people free? Hear me, but most of us are stuck with the sin we committed. Well, I don't know because I'm struggling and I'm hurting. Get past yourself. Get connected to Jesus because it's when he had a conversation with God and with Jesus is where he could actually go do and fulfill what he wanted. We need to get connected to Jesus. I am the living bread. I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I gave you history on what was happening. Uh, put that map up. So it's interesting that when you look at Galilee at the top of this map, Nazareth is really close. Matthew, Mark and Luke, out of the 36 months of their history, 30 of those months are about Jesus ministry up and around the Sea of Galilee. John, on the other hand, almost everything he talks about in his gospel happens down in Jerusalem. So almost everything that John talks about is connected to the festivals. And when Jesus would travel with the apostles into Jerusalem, he gives a completely different perspective. As we dive into this book, my prayer is that you and I can see how we can apply what God's truth and love is to us. So we know that John was the last living apostle. And I want to read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. So if you guys um, will read with me, uh, I want to read this out loud. I want us all to read it together. And so on the count of three, we're going to read together, okay? One, two, three. In the beginning was the Word... And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in this gospel, you guys, there is a continual theme that John makes clear. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. It's throughout the entire book. There's no in-between. We live in a culture today where a lot of people want to be living in the in-between. And John, in his kindness, tells the truth and says, no, there is no in-between. You're either in the light and Jesus is the light or you're not in the light. Now this year, can, can I lovingly say as we share that truth with people that we would be super kind and full of love? So I'm driving in early this morning to church. I don't even usually have my radio on. I usually just listen to worship music or whatever. And um, all of a sudden, a pastor was talking and he was speaking truth. I mean, he just was reading scripture and he was telling the truth. It just sounded so hard to me. Because he started talking about how sinful the world is and how bad the people are. And we better stay away from them. And you got to guard. And how many guys know there is a wisdom in guarding yourself? Like if you can't handle being in a certain place or you shouldn't be in that place, then don't be in that place. But we should be in the rest of the places that we can be and should be. And we should be light in a loving, kind way. Not in a judging, I'm better than you. You're a sinner. I can't even talk to you way. How many of you guys know a lot of people in the world thinks that about Christians? Oh, you're so much better than us. And you're like, I know. I know. It's, it's just true. How many of you guys know that's a self-defense mechanism that we use? Hear me carefully. Why do we want to get healthy? The reason some of us are so hard that way is because of the junk in our life. So we project on other people and we push our brokenness and hardness on them. When Jesus is going, why don't you project my love on them? Because I don't know how to love very well. Why do you and I need to get healed in every part of our life? It, it, the sad thing is it took me till I was well into my 50s, which was last year. <laughs> you guys are cold blooded, man. You don't amen me on the sermon, Pop, but then Hear me carefully. I was in ministry for 30 plus years and did not know how to love people well, including myself. The gospel of John is all about love for God so loved. This book is full of how much God loves you. And if you and I will learn to get connected to the man, Jesus, you will learn how to love well. Amen. I want to share a couple of verses and then we're going to move into a time of communion. So verse one is extremely profound. So the first sentence, again, you guys, John, I mean, he is just smacking everybody that read it. The culture, Jew or Gentile, if they read this, they've never heard this before. It would just grab their attention. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He makes very clear that the word was there in the beginning and that the word was actually God. In verse 
number two, everybody say he. he. It said he was with God. So watch. John uses the word logos. Everybody say logos. logos. That means word. Right. He gets everybody's attention with that sentence. But in verse two, he makes it super clear that the word is a person. Catch it. In the beginning was the logos. But then in verse two, he says he. Everybody say he. Now, he makes it very clear that this is a specific person. It's not just some logos, some words, some I don't know what it is. John now is narrowing it down. And next week it's going to get more narrow because we're going to see how in verse 14. The word became what? Flesh. Now watch. Now he, right? Verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Through who? Verse three. Through who? Okay, personal. Through him, all things were made. Now, just in case they weren't clear, without him, nothing was made that has not been made. Right? Just in case people didn't understand what he was saying, hey, he made all things. And just in case you think I don't mean he made it, there is nothing in the world that has been made without him. Not just the word, the he. Do you guys know that Jesus Christ was there at the very beginning? Do you know that he was thinking about you and I at the very beginning? Do you know when we read in the beginning, he was already there with the father. In the creation of all things, he was already thinking about you and me and everything that will happen. And he still chooses to do it. This just blows my mind. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I want to take a few minutes to worship before we take communion. Because as we come into a new year. I really, really want us to do the work necessary to change. You're going to hear me talk about it a lot this year. I'm going to try not to be harsh about it. But I'm going to try to be as brutally honest as I know how to be. Because if you and I don't do the hard work, you're not going to change and I'm not going to change. Did you hear me? I didn't want to go back to counseling this last year. I don't want to go back to counseling now. I don't want to take certain classes. I've done this for 40 years. I think I got this. You know what I got? I'm still jacked up. That's what I got. But you know what else I got when I started to like myself? The reason is because I'm hanging with the man. I'm hanging with the burning bush. I'm hanging with the I am. I'm hanging with the one who says, in the beginning, Craig, I am. In the beginning, I was thinking about you when I created the world and Papa and I decided we would make this universe and all of you people knowing that we were putting my son into your hands and you would kill him and we did it anyway. And I knew that was going to happen, but I love you so much I chose to do it. And I also chose to make the tree that I would die on and the crown of thorns that would be pressed in my head. I created them knowing I would have to do it, but I love you so much I did it. Now get past your self-hatred and start loving me like I love you. Amen. You mean God talks to you like that? Yes, he does. And if you don't ever hear him talk to you like that, you're not talking to him enough. Because a good papa, I didn't say mean, I said truth. A good papa will tell you the truth right to your face. Hey, boy, 
Stay in that little religious thing you keep doing. Stay in that. Yeah, keep doing that little checklist thing you do. Keep doing everything in your own flesh. Go to church and smile and check a box and then go live in the flesh, but no one will know. How ridiculous is it? Here, here, here's the truth of it. It doesn't matter that God knows. It matters that you understand his heart about what he knows. I hope you heard what I just said. What's important is that you and I would actually understand that he knows everything about you, but he loves you and he loves me despite what we do behind the scenes when nobody's looking. Here's the crazy part. He still comes back the next day. I know, son. I know you've been struggling with this crap for your whole life. But would you talk with me? Would you sit with me? If you would dare go get some wisdom and insight and work on your stuff. I want to heal you in every created part of your being. I want to heal you in your mind, son, because your belief system, you still don't like yourself. And I want to change that. But if you don't let me and hang out with me in one year from now, you'll still be sitting there with the same BS. Bologna sandwich for all you religious people. I'm going to ask you to stand. Before we take communion, I just want us to worship. Would you please every single day, we're going to take five minutes or whatever right now. Would you please every single day this year, make sure you block five minutes to do this with him every day? Would you just worship him? Would you just, I don't care where you are by yourself. My youngest daughter and I were chatting the other day and she had this song on. I hadn't heard it for a while. I had to go in the other room. And she let it play in the kitchen. She had no idea. I just went in the other room and sat down. And I'm listening. And it's rocking my world because I feel like in 2023, there were many times that I just walked away from him. And there were many times that I felt my heart was starting to get cold and that I was getting to the place. Here's the scary part. I was getting to the place where in my mind, I didn't even seem to care. You ever get to the place where you know you're doing stuff or life is hard and pretty soon you're almost just like not even caring anymore? That's where I felt like I was a few times. And all of a sudden, this week, a few days ago, God is so kind. This song's blazing in her little speaker. So I want us to sing this before we take communion. As we come into this new year, I want us to reflect and be brutally honest about the challenging parts. But then listen carefully to what the words are. Because it's all about being with Jesus. That's the bottom line. So let's worship together. <laughs>